I'm a little bit excited about what God wants to inspire us with this evening. So are we ready? So you can, you don't have to hold that pen in your hand the whole time, but I just want you to know that if God drops something, I want you to write it down because um, there's some future things getting changed tonight. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. We're going to start there. Can I just say, if you're here for the very first time, welcome. So good to see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. And um, if you don't normally go to church, look, we are loud, we are excited, we are over the top, we are all those things. But you know what? We just think Jesus is really awesome and we're having fun doing it. So that's good. Um, I've got new shoes on. And... I got runners on, I don't normally wear runners. And suddenly the pulpit is really high. <laughs> so I'm feeling very short, but that's all right, I'll settle in, I'm sure. So Luke, Luke 11 verses one to 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, Say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine came on a journey and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you, he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Heavenly Father, tonight as we open Your Word, as we hear Your heart, Lord, would You deposit Your your direction, Your Word in our hearts. Lord, may we leave here having heard Your voice, every single one of us, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Tonight, my message is called Shameless Audacity. And um, I have a lot of people ask me about my background. People say, oh, you know, are you Greek or are you Italian? Your name's Helen, you talk with your hands, you have kind of an accent. And um, so most people think I must be something European. But I'm about as colonial Aussie as you can get. I, um, for me, spaghetti was in a hands, a Heinz tin. I had no idea there was any other sort of spaghetti. Um, oil, like growing up, oil was what came off the lamb roast and we would drain it off and we would use that to cook in, cook our eggs and our chips. I had no idea that olive oil existed. So, um, 
You know, this is, uh, you know, when people ask me about my background, who I am, um, I'm as Aussie as they come. And for me, my family, my home was the most hospitable home that I knew of. Nobody else in my world were as hospitable as my parents. Every Sunday we would go to church and my mum would put a roast in the oven before she left. I know for many of you that's a really scary idea, but she would put the roast in the oven and then when we were at church, we would look around for who we could invite home to with us after church for lunch. If somebody spontaneously turned up on our doorstep, um, you know, in the afternoon or sometime, we would generously offer them a coffee and a piece of cake that my mum would have made fresh. That was abundant hospitality in my world and my space. And then I moved to Melbourne. And um, I moved into uh, a world of Italians and Greeks and Lebanese, and suddenly the idea of hospitality went to a whole nother level. <laughs> uh, you know, like I just experienced open arms, warm arms, people who embraced me come over. Food, food, food. I've never seen so much food. Everywhere I went, there was food, there was hospitality, there was kindness. And um, this was just amazing for, for a single girl from a strange city to turn up in a place where people were happy to feed her for free. This was fantastic. But, um, you know, in contrast to this was Jesus, was, oh, Jesus, it is, you are like Jesus, Richard. You are. <laughs> so close to Jesus that when I say your name, I just think Jesus. So, um, so in contrast to, um, to me was my husband, Richard. And um, he was, he's a first generation Aussie. His parents arrived and, um, from Lebanon and his mum was pregnant with him. So when I met them, they'd been in Australia about 20 years. So they were slightly Australian, but really, most of what they thought should happen was very Lebanese. And um, if you know anything about the Lebanese or Middle Eastern culture, you will know that hospitality is a big part. And really, it is a sacred expectation of how you will behave and what you will do. So I married a Lebanese guy. And um, after we'd been married, once we got married, his mum, Salem, who I love, and she's amazing, we had a great relationship. Um, my, so my mother-in-law, she said to me, um, you need to do it the Lebanese way, Hos do hospitality the right way. And um, so she was sort of coaching me on what that looked like. And I don't think I really understood. I really didn't get it because as everybody was coming to visit us, as people came to our house, when they walked in the door, I would offer them a cup of coffee. But in Lebanese culture, that means please leave. We're done. The visit is over. So then I found out that all the visitors that were coming were terribly offended. Even though I'd given them a cup of coffee, a homemade cake, I was failing in this hospitality space. So Sarah, my daughter was born one year after we got married. And um, so uh, Salem had explained that the visitors were all going to come. I had to be ready to receive them, that I would have to have everything prepared. I'd have to be ready for this amazing um, hospitality extravaganza. And I think she was a little bit nervous about it. So just before the visitors were expected, she turns up on my doorstep with bags and bags of, of food that I was going to need for this, these events. And um, all the nuts and fruits, but not just one sort of nut or one sort of fruit, but um, chopped 
we had chopped, we had cooked, we had natural, we had coated, we had sugared, we had spiced, we had every sort of nut, chop thing you could have possibly imagined I had to have for this. Then we had dips and then we had breads and then we had Turkish delight and then we had baklava and then I had, it was like we were this, whoa, okay. All right, now we're talking about hospitality. And um, she told me how to serve it. She told me when it, when it would need to be ready and that the visitors were going to be coming. So we didn't really know what time exactly the visitors were coming. The visitors would be coming. Probably on Saturday. We would imagine around lunch-ish. So that's okay, you know. We can prepare for that. So I would get everything, everything was out and I had my new little baby. And I think on most of these events, the people started arriving about 10 o'clock at night. Yes. What? Yeah, 10 o'clock and they would come streaming in and I would have been putting the things in and out of the fridge all day, in the fridge, out of the fridge, in the fridge. Are they coming? Are they not coming? Are they coming? Are they? And so this sacred thing of, hospitality for the Middle Eastern culture became my reality. So when I read this scripture about friends knocking on the door in the middle of the night, expecting bread, expecting hospitality, my Australian upbringing says, oh, what a silly story. As if. That's just, Jesus, you're being ridiculous. But now with some Lebanese culture, I'm like, oh, I understand. <laughs> I get you, Jesus. I'm hearing you. And, and the disciples had said to Jesus, can you tell us how to pray? And so Jesus explains how to pray. He gives them um, this lovely prayer that most of us know as the Lord's Prayer or the Our, Our Father or whatever tradition you've come from. For some of you, you may have never even heard it if you haven't been in a Christian background. But Jesus gives this simple prayer that, that we can use as a tool to pray. But he's making a point that he says, look, it's really not about the words. It's really about who you're praying to. It's really about understanding who's on the other end of this prayer. The God that you're praying to is not just an average God. He's like a super God. He's like a powerful God. And so to illustrate this to the disciples, to help them understand what Jesus was talking about, he gives them a parable or a story. And he explains it in the context of Middle Eastern hospitality. So Jesus says that a man, the story of a man coming late at night, travelling. Now in Palestine, they would travel late at night because it's really hot. It's really hot in the Middle East. And so they would travel once the sun had set. And so it was normal for people to turn up at midnight. I'm not sure in 1995 why people were turning up at midnight. It's not that hot here. And we have air conditioning. I don't know why they were coming, but culturally it was the normal thing to do. So that this traveller arrives at this house and the host, the guy whose house he's, he's turning up at, we're gonna call him Buddy, just for the sake of the story and I just thought it was a cool name. And Buddy is not ready. Buddy is not prepared to receive this guest. He's, um, you know, now I've explained how culturally important it would have been for Buddy to be prepared. For Buddy to not just be ready, but to be abundantly ready, to have everything he needed in case a guest would come. There was actually shame and embarrassment in not being prepared, in not being ready. So because of this, 
Buddy goes next door and knocks on his neighbour's door and says, hey, hey, can you please give me some bread? But the door is closed. Now, right here, we read the door's closed. That's okay, my door's always closed. I've got a doorbell, just ring the doorbell. Not in, not right here where Jesus is talking about. When the door is closed, it means go away. When the door is open, it means you're welcome. So what would happen is you get up in the morning, they open their door wide, anybody can come all day, wander in, wander out, there's no privacy. But at night, when the door is shut, now is time for privacy. You don't knock on a closed door in this community unless it's an absolute emergency. And Buddy knocks on the door. And he says to his friend, come on, I need help. And his friend says, go away, I'm not answering the door. But, and Jesus says, Jesus explains to his disciples that friendship was not gonna be enough for this guy to open the door. It wasn't gonna be enough. Now, to you and I, that sounds a bit strange because we're thinking, how hard is it to open the door? It's not really a big problem. We're thinking, the guy's on his couch, he's relaxed, the kids are in bed, tucked away, he's watching Netflix, and, and he's got a, like a security camera, he can see the front door, he knows exactly who's there, and he can say, Alexa, open door. And his front door opens, his friend can get the bread out of the freezer all by himself. What is the fuss? Why doesn't this guy just wanna let his friend in? Why does he say go away? Well, to understand why he says go away, we have to actually understand where this guy lived. This guy lived in a, in a house that was basically just a room, one room. And the room had two different levels. The lower level was um, about two thirds of the room and it would have been um, like packed down dirt with some rushes, some um, grass sort of stuff layering on it to keep it clean. And then there was a raised platform on the other third and there would have been a wood fire probably of some sort that they would use for heating and, and for eating, for cooking. And so that, um, and then at night what would happen is when the family went to bed, and when I'm talking family, I'm not just talking mum, dad and the kids. I'm talking mum, dad, the kids, the auntie, the uncle, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law, the other mother-in-law, the other father-in-law, the cousins. The, you know, this was a community living here. This is not just one small unit family like we think is normal. And they would then roll out their flat mats all around this fire and, and everybody would go to bed. Everybody. But not just that. That's just the first level. Then what would happen is they would bring in their livestock. They would bring in their goat, they would bring in their pig, they bring in the chickens, they got the rooster, they got the cow, everybody's coming in and they are then sleeping on the lower level. So now you get the picture. When his friend knocks at the door and this guy is back here, so Buddy's knocking, hey, help, help, I need some bread. Go away, go away, my family's asleep. So he's here, he's got his mother-in-law, he's got his baby, he's got his, he's got his 10-year-old, he's got his cousin, he's got the chicken, he's got the cow, he's got, the, like, between here and the door, there's, like, go away. My door's closed, go away. You're in, this is just not gonna work. And the guy's like, no, no, come on, come on. And so eventually, it's like, who's going, what's happening? Who's at the door? Dad, Dad, where are you? I've had a bad dream. Oh. And oh, chaos, everybody. Now all of a sudden the whole house is up. Everybody's up. This cast, and now you can imagine, all right, here, have your bread. Get out of my life. Go away. Go away. 
but he knocks with shameless audacity. He, he is at that friend's door with such a stubbornness that he will not be shifted. And Jesus is showing his disciples that we can have shameless audacity with our heavenly Father. And Jesus says, you are free to ask, you are free to knock, you are free to look for God because He will answer. He will respond. He will be inconvenienced for you. He will be stretched for you. He will respond for you. Knock, your heavenly Father will answer. God is not like a human friend though. When we ask, when we seek, when we look, God doesn't actually respond like this friend. God responds eagerly. God responds quickly. God leans into us. He's not frustrated by our asking. He's not frustrated by our needs. Our God is ready, but He wants us to be shamelessly audacious. Is that good? Come on, give Him a shout of praise. We can't begin to compare our Heavenly Father to any human father or any human. Our Heavenly Father is not like this man. And I love how God gives us an example of, of somebody who's not really helpful so to say to us, don't compare to other humans. I'm, I'm, a, I'm outstanding. I'm beyond what others could do for you. He is God. And He says to us, be shameless. Be shameless in what you ask because we're His kids. 1 John 5, 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. God's rescuing grace makes us His child. And because of that, we can be shameless. Now, I know that, that might, you might think, oh, what's shameless? What's, what's the definition of shameless? Uh, it's without shame that we don't have to stand before God with any shame, that we don't have to be embarrassed about our past or embarrassed about what we've done or disappointed by our family brand or our, or our nationality or the job we have. We can talk to God without any shame, fully front up. Me, God, face to face, full frontal, no shame. No shame, shameless audacity. I love that the Bible has this word in it. This is the only place in all of Scripture where this word appears. And do you know what it means? It means bold. It means rude. It means disrespectful. That's just crazy. Pastor Helen, are you kidding? But God's saying, Jesus is saying, you can, you can be almost obnoxious with me. I'm okay with it. I am the God of the universe. You can't speak a way that's too, you, you can honour me, but you can also say, God, come on, I need you. You can be fired up with your heavenly Father. You can be shamelessly audacious. We can ask with confidence. God says, get some grit in your prayer. Get some grit in what you're believing for. Get some bigger dream for what you believe God's got for your life. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is this helping anybody? It ha it's helping me. This is the confidence we have. This is the confidence we have. Say it with me. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, what does He do? 
He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked for of Him. Elijah comes in, um, all the Israelites are worshipping false gods and they've um, set up idols and it's crazy, the thing's crazy. So Elijah comes in to say to them, why, why have you stopped worshipping the true God? I, uh, let me help you see who the true God is. You guys get to choose. And so what he does is he sets up, um, he says to them, we're gonna set up two altars. You guys, the, all your prophets, all your um, 400 leaders are gonna set up um, an altar to Baal, to the God you're worshipping. And then over here, I'm gonna set up an altar to the, the God, the Lord, your God, the God of the Israelites, the one who loves you. So these guys over here, they, they get their wood, they get their, um, the cow, they chop it up. They, um, and then the thing that had to happen was that their God was gonna set fire to it. They weren't going to set fire themselves. The miracle was going to be when this thing just self-combusted. That's a pretty audacious idea. So the, um, the prophets, they're calling down, come on, fire, come on, catch fire, catch fire. Worshipping their gods, they start dancing, they're singing, they're yelling. For a couple of days, they go on and on. And eventually, Elijah, who's been over here just watching, you done yet? You done yet? He goes, come, have you given up? Come. So he says, he, he sets up the altar here, but he actually starts by putting the 12 stones back on the altar. And you know why that's significant? Because God had told them to set up the 12 stones to remind them about, to remind them of who they are to remind them of their identity, to remind them of who they belong to. And the 12 stones said, you are the children of the living God. You are the children of a God who is powerful and mighty. So Elijah sets these back up first. And then he puts the wood on. And then he puts the chopped up cow on top. And then he says, hang on, I want you to cover it with water. So they tip water on it. And he's dug a trench around it. So there's some water in the trench. And he says, hang on, do it again. Pause water. Hang on, do it again. So again, pause the water. And then he prays an audacious prayer. Then he prays. Listen, he says, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that You are God in Israel and that I am Your servant and I have done all these things at Your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that You are Lord, God, and that You are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. And you know what? When you're willing to pray shamelessly, audacious prayers. Not only you are blessed, but the people in your world are blessed. When God turns up, when God shows up, when God doesn't just, 
When God doesn't just heal you of cancer, but the people you're in treatment with, you all are getting saved and finding faith and finding hope and that you're a carrier in that community that you're in. That you're not just getting the best promotion in your workplace, but you're actually then ministering to people around you and giving um, marriage encouragement and helping people find hope and helping people find their direction and purpose. That that you just don't own one car, but you own 10 cars so you can give cars away to people who need cars. I don't know, like what crazy prayer could you be praying? Because your God is the God of the universe. And we think He has a small bank account. We think He has a limit on His blessing, but He doesn't. Come on, would you get to your feet? Your God is nothing like the friend in that story. Your God is ready. Your God is able. And your God wants to hear your audacious prayers. And you know, I was, I've wrote a few things down that I believe God wants you to start believing for. Some of you are thinking that your house deposit, it's gonna take you two years. Some of you young couples, oh look, it's, we've got a budget. You know, maybe we shouldn't have gone overseas when we did, but I'm telling you, pray an audacious prayer about your house deposit. God can give you the house deposit. God can make a way. God can cause your investment to flourish. Provision for your marriage. Some of you young guys wanna get married, but you don't have what you need. You don't feel like you're ready. Pray an audacious prayer about the preparation you need. Some of you see your workplace as just a workplace. And God's saying, you're not there for a career. You're there for the people. But pray an audacious prayer that everywhere you walk, people would ask you, what's different about you? Pray an audacious prayer that people would start to to say, I need what you've got. Pray an audacious prayer that when you lay hands on someone, they would be healed. They would be restored. That they would find hope and healing. Pray an audacious prayer that when you're in your cafe, having your coffee, that someone would walk up to you say, excuse me, I don't know why, I just need to talk to you. I just, come on, what, what crazy prayer could you pray? Well, I don't know. But I have a feeling it's bigger than what you think. Addictions. Some of you have got addictions and you've settled for halfway. You've said, God, could you heal me? But God says, I don't wanna heal you. I wanna completely deliver that thing out of you. You hate it, you don't desire it. You got the power to deliver other people of it, that it will not come back, whether it's pornography, whether it's um, it's alcohol, whether it's cigarettes, whether whatever it is that's got you trapped, pray that that it's beyond, beyond. Maybe there's betrayal, betrayal, unforgiveness stuff in your marriage or family relationships. Don't just pray that God would put it back together. Pray God would restore it better than it was before, that it's deeper than it ever was, that there's no, that the hurt and the pain is completely, completely gone, that you can forget, that you can go beyond. What's your crazy, audacious prayer? Well, I'm challenged. I don't know about you. Are you challenged? Would you lift your hands? I'd love to pray for you. 
I'm going to invite Pastor Derek. He's going to come and close after I've prayed for you. And I don't know what God's put in your heart tonight. I know what, but I'm praying that He's, that that business, that that marriage, that that healing, whatever it is, that's go further, go bigger, next level. Believe that your Father, your Heavenly Father is ready. So Father God, You are so mighty. You are so powerful. And Lord God, You say to us, pray shamelessly, audaciously. And Father God, tonight, Lord, give us the courage. Give us the courage to trust You. Give us the courage to step out, Lord God, to actually articulate what's inside us, Father, to actually take a risk and open our mouths and declare how magnificent You are, how big You are, and the crazy things that You could possibly do with us as individuals, as families. Father, bless us. Father, stir us up, stir our spirits. Lord, I pray tonight we catch something in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Come on, church, give give your heavenly Father a shout of praise. That was great.